Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and in the words of somebody, don't try pulling that legal stuff. And with me, I've got Liam. You never do a spook show. No good comes out of a spook show. And uh, I believe Mitch has, has something prepared as well. Yeah, I got a little something up my sleeve. In the words of Pete, when a man believes his own lies, starts believing that he has the power, he's got shut eye. Because now he believes it's all true and people get hurt. God fearing people. And then you lie. You lie. And when the lies end, there it is. The face of God staring at you straight. No matter where you turn, no man can outrun God, Stan. What happens when the face of God stares at you gay? <laughs> what if he's got shut eye? How can he how can he stare at you? What if God's got shut eye, dude? What if? That's all I'm wondering. What if? Um <laughs> uh this is this was a bit of a, a roundabout. Uh, we got a little creative with the with the way this movie was chosen, uh, by which I mean uh, I was it, robbed. Mitch was okay. Robbed, I think, is maybe putting it a little strongly. Uh, you got <laughs> Chris Angel mind freaked, uh, like the people of this movie and coerced. Uh, That's right. You sleight of handed him. Yeah, into doing Avatar. So Mitch got to make up for that uh, generosity that he so graciously gave us in getting to Avatar. And chose Nightmare Alley. I don't want to waste any time here. Um, this is a pretty Mitch pick. Indeed. And, I, and I'd love to know why you went for it. Well, I love the 1940s film uh, starring William, or no, sorry, starring uh, Tyrone Power. And uh, I watched that movie actually on a plane on my phone because I was nervous about the movie selection with Air Canada. Oftentimes it's pretty mid. And so. I downloaded a few things from TCM onto my phone and I watched this on a plane from Ottawa to Vancouver in 2019. And it was like the first part of like a long journey when I went to Southeast Asia. So it's like 30 hours of flying or, or travel. And uh, yeah, so I watched it and I was like blown away and I only watched it on my phone. And then I, I've revisited it a few times since. And I love movies about, you know, hucksters and, and grifters and this movie the 40s one is one of the best and i didn't see this one when it came out the the guillermo del toro adaptation but i always meant to and i wish i had seen it in theaters because it's a stunning movie and i think it deserves that kind of a, a treatment but uh, i love the original because it's a great noir and it really encapsulate encapsulates that intersection between psychology and uh griffs of observation and there's a bunch of interesting ideas going on there in the 40s one and so i'd love to i wanted to see del toro's treatment of those ideas and i'm glad we checked it out treatment 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 that's all i got you just said treatment twice that's what i honed in on yeah. um yeah i had like heard of nightmare alley probably like in a passing sort of sense um the original i mean and then um the this one the del toro one came around and i proceeded to not watch it uh not for any particular reason um just sort of didn't get to it that year um and it just sort of like left my mind a little bit until it got brought back up here so i wasn't exactly coming into this with 
you know, lofty this or that. I know it got a few Oscar nominations, including Best Picture. But honestly, if you ask me to name what else got nominated for Best Picture that year, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't really know what the what the deal with that was one way or the other. But um, yeah, I was curious to get to it. I don't have a familiarity with the 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 Tyrone Power one at all. Well, he stars it. He didn't make it, but like. Yeah, that's he's the, the star. Name. It's directed by Edmund Goulding, uh, right. who's an old pro. Uh, he directed Grand Hotel, a bunch of other really uh, brilliant sort of classic era movies, Dark Victory, uh, The Razor's Edge as well with Tyrone Power, some really good noirs and, and uh, star-studded uh, films of the studio era. I think it's worth asking the question if Tyrone Power is the coolest name to come out of Hollywood ever. It's pretty cool. He was also a concert pianist. I found a uh, an old record once at the side of the road with him playing the piano, and I still haven't played it. But it's, you got to stop finding stuff on the side of the road. It's a bad habit. Like it's where I find most of my friends. <laughs> You're a fucking menace with with all these roadside artistic attractions. Yes. Um, it is cool that you found that on the road, though. That's very weird. But yeah, I was I was down to just sort of see what was going on. You know, get get caught up with uh this uh. I think this is we don't frequently get to do movies where the cast is almost like front to back immediately recognizable famous people. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, but before I, I get too carried away here, you know, I want to keep things nice and nice and easy. Uh, Liam, what was going on with you in Nightmare Alley? Did you like be it the new one or the old one? What what were you kind of coming at this one with? Uh, I didn't know that there was an old one. I only heard about this one uh, the year it came out. Um because I, I know the director and I really liked uh, The Shape of Water, which I guess was his last movie. And so I heard about this one that was coming out. And, and maybe I uh, maybe I heard in passing that it was like it was a remake and it was also not a horror movie. Um, and those two things combined kind of made me not all that interested in it. And then, you know, if it, if it had come out um, in the before times, you know, prior to 2020, maybe I would have went out and saw it in the theater for, for a night out. Uh, but it came out in, in 2021. Right. And so it just, uh, yeah. I did, I don't, th- I wasn't going to the theater at that point when it came out. Um, and so it just, it just kind of came and went, I didn't watch the Oscars that year. So I, d- I didn't think about it there. And so, um, also, I knew that-, that Oscars class just quickly was fucking stacked anyway, in terms of like movies that people were talking about a lot more than Nightmare Alley. So, oh, yeah, just got buried. Why. Hey, what's in it, there? Uh, yeah, and then I'll let you keep going. I didn't mean to cut in, but so there's Nightmare Alley, um, Belfast, King Richard, Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, Coda, Dune, The Power of the Dog, Drive My Car, and West Side Story. Has there been an Oscar since that one? Yeah. All yes. those movies no, sound so the, new. No, the uh, the nominees come out tomorrow. Oh, okay. As of the time of recording, right, um, right, right. But yeah, like, like in terms of movies that were getting like publicity, like West Side Story, Power of the Dog, Drive My Car, Dune, like Licorice Pizza, and Coda were probably the big ones. And people talked about Belfast and don't look up a lot. I don't, I don't really know why. But <laughs> no, I've never, I've never heard of Belfast, bro. It's not great. Uh... <laughs> I don't know the, the Oscars would warm too. I think it's the most Oscar bait feeling ass movie. I ended up watching it like sort of on an unplanned occasion at my dad's house one time. Like it just everybody else kind of put it on, and I was I was just sort of present. You know what I mean? Um, one of those. But uh, I will say I'm looking at this list. I have not seen a lot of those <laughs> movies on this list. Um, I was behind the ball for a while with uh, yeah. 
Yeah, me either. And again, I think that 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 uh, a lot of that could be attributed to COVID. You know, most of the times um, when the Oscar nominations came out, I at least would have seen half of them in theaters just because people would have they would have been big movies when they came out. But in this case, you know, I, have, I haven't really seen any of those movies. I didn't even know Nightmare Alley was nominated. Um, so uh, this was I didn't know what this movie was about. Um, I knew that it wasn't a horror movie and I knew that it was by Guillermo del Toro. Um, and that was it. Are we big like uh, Guillermo del Toro heads in here? I'm a big fan. Um, you know, I I re- I love Shape of Water, and I love uh, I love Pan's Labyrinth. Um, and I I haven't really seen any others. But at the same time, you know, even though I love those movies, I feel like um, I feel like I'm I'm still. I'm not totally in line with his sensibilities. Like we just don't, we just don't share the same sensibilities. Like even, even though, even though those are the two movies of his that I've seen and I really like them. Um, you know, I've, I've seen parts of Crimson Peak. I, I saw Hellboy back in the day, I suppose. And then I've seen movies he's produced like, uh, don't be afraid of the dark and, and mama. Um, and I, I think uh, I think he and I, he's just more of like a, a fantasy um, kind of gothic, old timey, old Hollywood sort of guy, um, which which aren't my favorite movies. Um, but still, he, you know, in, in Shape of Water and Pan's Labyrinth, he's got this this heart that comes through and also uh, this wicked sense of imagery and um so, so I'm not, I'm not opposed. I'm surprised by that because I think he does have a, a strong horror sensibility with a lot of his movies, a lot of especially like sort of uh, creature features. Um, if you haven't, it sounds like you haven't seen The Devil's Backbone, but I think that that one would probably do it for you. That's a really wonderful horror movie that he made. Nice, yeah, I've, I, I would love to see that. I've got to do it. I know, I know you love that one, and I, you wrote about that one as a controversial horror movie, right? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh dang. Were you thinking about it? Was that the, was uh, that the it's right not really class? that controversial. Like it, it it's uh I mean it's it's set during like the the Spanish Civil War and it, it's part of that same sort of um series of film he's made about about fascism. And um it, I I I've never written about it no but but it's um a really cool movie and it, the imagery is is really freaky and I love the way that it kind of blends myth and, and history and horror uh, all together and also um, in terms of like a film that's from the perspective of a child I think it does that really well too with kind of blending I think um, a lot of those kind of themes that you see with movies that are about uh, kids kind of going through hard time and hard times and growing of age and not ideal circumstances it, it's a really kind of creepy uh, movie but um really memorable cool yeah i want to check it out i i like the i didn't know this was a kid-centered movie i love that about pads labyrinth the way he just sticks with the kid and it, it's it very feels similar. very empathetic so that's cool i gotta check it out both films i guess are set during the spanish civil war right yeah what about you Corey? um i in my head, I'm like, yeah, I am a big Guillermo del Toro fan. But then I look at his list of like works, and I'm like, I've hardly seen any of this shit. Like, I'm just, I guess I'm just a poser. I guess I'm just a Guillermo del Toro poser. Um, I like what I've seen for sure, 
But um, I haven't seen that much. I have seen uh, both Hellboys, but I may as well not have because I hardly remember them. I just I recall seeing them. Uh, and then Pan's Labyrinth and Pacific Rim and The Shape of Water are cool, but that's like less than half of like what he's got going on. So maybe I'm just like behind, but generally speaking, I'm pretty down for some Guillermo del Toro. I feel like I don't have a good sense of like, I've I've got like a good sense of some of like what the hallmarks of his work are, but I feel like I don't know if I have a great, um, like well thought through or like well developed sense of like what's what his work is like and stuff i don't know if that sentence makes sense i guess what i mean is like i'm like very superficially aware of his work and i've seen some of his stuff but i don't know how much i've like really like taken the time to like engage with it particularly hard outside of pan's labyrinth which i did watch in a, a film class so therefore like wrote about and stuff but um I do like it. I just, uh, I feel like, I don't know, there's some kind of je ne sais quoi I'm not articulating well where I'm like, I feel like maybe I haven't given him a fair shake in terms of like really getting in there. I think it's worthwhile for sure. I yeah. Mean, I, I love a lot of his movies. A lot of his ones, I feel like his more um, kind of action book or uh, action book, comic book and action movies don't land with me as well of his kind of gothic creature movies. Like I, I really love Pan's Labyrinth and I love The Shape of Water and Crimson Peak was pretty good. But I'm not crazy about Pacific Rim. I remember liking it enough when I Pacific saw Rim's it. Pacific Rim pretty sick. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But it's not like, uh, it's not the kind of hill that I die on. It's not the no. one that I'll d- defend forever of his f- filmography. I think for me, it's, it's those more um, intimate, sort of character dramas that I really uh, draw to with really fleshed out uh, themes and stuff like that. Was it the same class that we watched? Did we watch Pan's Labyrinth in the same class that we watched E2 Mama Tambia in? We did film 1000. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. of course. <laughs> I just, I, I think cause that's that same actress is in both of those movies. I associate those movies together very closely. Um, I was trying to put my finger on why that came to my mind. Um, but I guess that must be why. But that's not what we're talking about. So I'll have to save that for some other day. They need to make a sequel to that. <laughs> and then we can talk about it. <laughs> it might be a tricky sequel to make. It and, might be a little bit of a number challenge. Two, two Mama <laughs> it's Look, they're leaving money on the table. I mean, in fairness, um, if if you were looking at wanting to capitalize on that movie, um, Diego Luna has literally never been more famous. <laughs> like, this is your chance to contrive some bullshit. Um, but something tells me they're not going to do it because they're cowards. Let's go with that. Let's say that it's let's act like that's actually a good idea and say that it's their fault instead of obviously it's a terrible <laughs> idea. You know, one of the things about Guillermo del Toro, he, he always is. It says that he signs on to these projects that excite me. Like, for example, it's been rumored that he's going to be making an adaptation of In the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Uh, Lovecraft for like ages. He's been kind of flirting with the idea of making that story. And I'm, I'm dying to know when it's actually going to happen, because I I love that book and I would love to see 
I'd love to see him take on some Lovecraft. Yeah, I feel I feel like I hear about him being attached to something um, every few months. Uh, he he must have just a wealth of scripts that he's written and projects he's worked on that that haven't come to fruition. Uh, he I, un- like I understand why people would want him to to, do, to work on stuff, so it makes sense. Yeah, he seems like the kind of filmmaker that gets attached a lot to things without, and then like you actually put it in front of executives or something, and they're like, actually, never mind. Yeah, probably because yeah. his production designs are are expensive. Like he he uh, definitely has a flair for the uh, bombastic productions. I tell you what, I was glad that his version of uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark got made. That was a really cool movie, and. Uh, um, Oh yeah, I think his I vision kind of shown through. Oh yeah, that's it's it's a cool one. I think it kind of falls trapping by the end to uh, to um, kids' story tropes and 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 becomes a bit flat in my opinion. But uh, it it starts off really strong and it has some really cool monster designs too. Um, it's a cool movie. Let's go, Dean Norris, isn't it the most memeable man of all time? <laughs> Is that the Book of Henry guy? Breaking Bad, he plays yes. Hank. He's the, right. Dean Norris yeah. is the guy that tweeted sex gifts. Yeah. Right. He's that one guy who's tweeted sex gifts. Well, it's like, the, it's, it's the account, because his account was verified, so it was like, there's like this screen cap of it that people love sharing, because it's funny just seeing a verified account in like 2012 just tweet sex gifts, because he was trying to search for sex gifts. And he fucked up. Oh, what a weird thing to search to. Sex gifts. Yeah, no, he tweeted the words "sex gifts." Like, Damn. do you want to see the same like clip go over and over again? It just seems strange. Is it a just good gotta, clip? You just gotta Mitchell? isolate the best part, and why not? <laughs> I feel like there's got to be a lot of people doing that, right? There's simply no way. So, I mean, certainly in 2012, yeah. You don't <laughs> think you, you think Tumblr? it's li- you think it's less likely now? I think it's more likely now. I think 20, 2012 Tumblr or whatever was full of that shit. Right. But like what I'm wondering though is like if you're I don't know why we're having this conversation. If you're on your phone or something, right? You're on your PSP. If you're on your PSP, right? Um <gasps> like who's pulling up like a cuz if you're pulling if you pull up a full length video and you're not vibing, like you're just you've wasted time. But like, if if the GIF is the available, I th- I think I think you can click through videos just as quickly as you can you can move through GIFs. If that's what you mean, we need some kind of poll. What is the what is the question atop the poll, Corey? What are you wondering? If people are using sex GIFs, I guess is what I'm wondering. So I, I guess it's just a yes. Is it a yes or no question? Because I feel like polls are fairly limited in like what you can ask. Because you can't ask like a comparative question, really. Well, what would the comparative question be? Like, are you more likely to use like a sex GIF or like a full video of a thing? That sounds like a much better question. I think you could answer that in a binary. I feel like sex gifts are going to be dramatically less popular. I thought you were going to say, I feel like sex gifts are about to be huge. <laughs> like they were on the precipice. Of- TMAO is bringing back sex gifts. <laughs> yeah, their stock is soaring now. Dude, thanks to us. They're, they're making uh, sex, uh, what were they, hit clips? It's just a part of it. 
and you need a proprietary player like a video now. <laughs> let me uh, let me check this out on Google Trends. Google Trends. Sex gifts. <laughs> Are they way up or way down? Uh, oh, this is throughout the year. I gotta. Yeah. I gotta. Do, I have to uh, sell my shares. Let's do let's do twenty to, from when he tweeted that. Well, let me see what year Dean Norris tweeted sex gifts. I want to do that. I haven't Christ, been on this what have website I done? before, though. I gotta. <laughs> so he tweeted that in. Uh, hang on. Tw- Wait, that was way more recent than I thought. He did that, and that makes it way funnier. <laughs> when was it? Like twenty nineteen. It was 2018. Holy fuck. Well, that makes sense that a dude like him would still be on the gift train. Okay, well, I can do past five years. Just okay. looking from this little... That's 2018. That's past five That's years. That's right. So, dude, s- sex gifts peaked. Honestly, it peaked at uh, the middle of May 2018. Is that when he posted? That's when he tweeted tweet? that, yeah. Okay, that so it went, it. it went way up in that week. Um, and then <laughs> until about... And it was... And then... Before that, and then until about dis- December of 2019, January of 2020, it's about steady. So from 2018 to, to the beginning of 2020, it was steady. And then it really starts dropping off. And then it peaked once more, a much lower peak, but it, it, it peaked December peak. 2021. And then yeah. right after that, it's it's dropped off hard so, in 2022. So, but no one's cor- using gifts in What's the correlation here? Let's think about this. The pandemic is everybody was at home. Everybody had all this time on their hands. You had time for full length videos. You Not had time for GIFs research. Or GIFs. <laughs> yeah, it looks like people still have, have time though. It yourself. hasn't gone back up. Well, yeah, actually, well, actually, there's there's one specific May 2022 right at the beginning. Yeah. No one was using gifts. Way down, and then it kind of goes back up again. This is, but it's it, this it's is... it's still 2022 is much lower than the years prior. So, Mitch, I think you missed your window to sell. Yeah, it's gonna be terrible when I have to tell the board of directors. Oh yeah. wait, this is just in Canada. Oh, people love it <laughs> in Saskatchewan. By the way, <laughs> they love sex gifts in Saskatchewan. Oh yeah, so same. I'm thing. not surprised. Worldwide, once you hit 2022, you're you're down. Big 2022 down. specifically. Yep. Yeah. Right at the beginning of 2022. Well, let's manifest this, fellas. I hope out. 2023 is the year of the sex gift. A man can dream. So Nightmare <laughs> Alley, huh? Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, not a gift. <laughs> Okay, follow-up question. Did how many people experienced this movie primarily in GIF format? I'm gonna go actually out on a limb and say a lot because it did not make back its budget, but it was still nominated for Best Picture. So a lot of people saw clips and a lot of people <laughs> saw GIFs. No, I think I don't think you could you could just smash those two together. No, because people were like seeing it on social media. They I were seeing think like were announcements for stuff in social media of it. Bro. No, 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 not like fans, but I'm saying like the Academy or something. I think even less to... of them were seeing gifts. You... No, 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 not like members, but like they have to announce stuff, and then it's like maybe they're using gifts. <laughs> I don't know that they are, bro. or short clips. A gif with sound, maybe. 
A gif with sound is not a gif. Then we get into a totally different conversation. Then we're in like webum territory. It's an entirely different medium. We have to go back to Google Trends and look up sex webums. Oh, dude, that's going to be massive. That's 2023. (laughs) Bye, bye. You got to (laughs) buy. It's picking up the phone now. (laughs) Offload our shares and put them in sex webums. You heard me. Though I think I think Webum Webum isn't like known enough that people would specifically search for it, you know. But people not yet. Are, people are definitely using them without people realizing People are using it. them and not knowing it. Yeah, so when I search sex webums it says, "Hmm, your search doesn't have enough data to show here." How do we make the phrase We need to how much if Dean Norris has cameo, how much would we have to pay him to tweet sex webums? <laughs> I feel like we wouldn't have to pay him anything so long as we just introduce him to the concept of a webum. His like, mind would be blown. He would tweet it by himself. Dude. Change that man's life. I remember when it happened to me. The whole the whole process is nobody can tell Dean Norris about sex MP4s. Oh, It'll blow this case wide open. Because if he finds out the, the GIF and Webum game are over. Dude, D. Norris doesn't even know that sex has a sound. Once he discovers <laughs> it, it's all over. <laughs> that man's never going to be in a movie again. He's, He's living in the gets... silent era right now. Just you wait. <laughs> Dude, wait till he gets into the talkies. <laughs> Actually, we call them the fuckies. I was, see, I considered fuckies. I briefly considered saying monies, which I didn't love. No, that's gross. It is, yeah, but like, is it is it maybe more accurate? I feel like the the word webum also just it, it sounds like a name. Like, oh, webum won't come out to play. He stole like, the doll. It's like Ireland or something. Yeah. Like, that's the name of Colin Farrell's character in the Banshees of Sharon. It's a webum. Webum. Uh, Would you like some stew, webum? <laughs> Stu Webham is my favorite proprietor of sex gifts. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an emporium. Only the finest. The resolution's out of this world. Can we make a third poll? How many people have turned the episode off? Probably a lot. Yeah, maybe. Um, cast and crew then? Yeah, get into it. Yeah. Uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro, written by, we already talked about all the stuff he did, uh, written by Guillermo del Toro and, uh, Kim Morgan, who also worked on something called seances and has done a bunch of like magazine writing and like film criticism and a whole bunch of other stuff like that. It's based on a novel by William Lindsay Gresham. It was a pretty uh, successful novel too. Uh, I've not, I've not read it, but I know he published it a year before the 47 film. And he's written several books about about sort of circuses and, and traveling shows. And they adapted um, that in a year. Yeah, they Damn. used to do things so quickly back then. That's fucking crazy. I mean, they still do that nowadays. If a book is successful, they'll get a year. They'll do it in a year. But if it's if it's a bestseller, Zoinks. Um, Cam McLaughlin is the editor. He worked on in various editorial roles on things like the shape of water and crimson peak uh the 2013 carry uh trailer park boys countdown to liquor day the thing 2011 and also edited uh disappearance at clifton hill 
which is a Canadian movie set at Niagara Falls, which briefly stars David Cronenberg. Briefly stars him? Is that what we're calling cameos now? I don't think it's a cameo. I think his role was just small, and I tried to think of a fun way to say that. <laughs> I like I just, it. I believe his role is small in the movie. Clifton Hill, uh, in my family, by the way, is part of it uh, is called Cheesy Street. Why? Because, or at least it may actually, I don't know if it's actually the name or we call it that i don't actually know no yeah we call clifton hill cheesy street because it's got a bunch of like theme park style attractions that were presumed to be cheesy um on it clifton hill is like a it's like a big strip around niagara falls that's got it's got like a 4d like video thing it's got like a ferris wheel and like a maze and like an arcade and mini putt and in this picture at least a burger king and stuff and we call it Cheesy Street, which I have determined is a is a family original phrase. Oh, I, I also I think they should have considered naming the movie Disappearance at Cheesy Street. Uh, the cinematography is by Dan Loudston. Loudston, sorry, it's a little there's some S's and T's all together. It's a little hard to say. Uh, the Shape of Water, Crimson Peak, uh, John Wick two and three, Silent Hill, and Brotherhood of the Wolf all credits to his name and then we've got nathan johnson on the music who worked on glunion and also knives out and uh looper and brick so he's uh ryan johnson's guy glunion is the last movie we did that that had a stacked cast from front to back yeah and this one's got uh stacked cast mostly from front to back to the point where i actually made the executive decision to not go get credits because we know who all of these people are for the most part um and if you don't know who they are figure it out yeah that's right uh we've got bradley cooper as stan uh kate blanchette as dr ritter tony collette as xena willem dafoe as clem hopefully i kind of want to play a game yeah it just occurred to me since Please. we're just zooming through these um Zoom. i want to play a quick game we won't dwell too long but start over with your cast i want to yeah. All to say the movie that we think of first oh, when you say the movie. Yes. When you say the person. Yes. Yes. I love this. Okay. Uh, so Bradley Cooper. Are we counting down? How are we doing this? Is that the no, best way to go? We'll, we'll go separate. We'll do, uh, we'll do Mitch and then I'll go and then Corey. Okay. So Bradley Cooper. Uh, American Hustle? He's in that, right? He is. Yeah. I think of uh, a movie called My Little Eye. He shows up in there, and he's like, he's awesome in it. I'll be Normie, uh, The Hangover. Oh, true. That's right. He was that guy. Man, yeah. he's had a lot of phases. Yeah. Uh, Cape Blanchette. The Aviator. To be honest, I don't think of a movie. I I, I would have to be reminded what I've seen her in. Uh, Carol is my answer. <laughs> Maybe I've seen her in nothing at this rate. You've seen Kate. Oh, hold on. Do we actually have to do this really quick? You've seen Kate Blanchett and things. I get her confused in my head with Kate Winslet. That's for sure. I'm okay. sure I've seen her in something. Totally I, I should. I should have ironically said that you saw her in Avatar <laughs> just to see if you questioned it at all. Um, but uh, did you see uh, the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> no. Did you see the Benjamin, really? Did you see the Benjamin Button movie? Nope. Did you see? Oh my God! Maybe you haven't. Um, what is? What are other big things? Did you ever hear the dub of Ponyo? 
No. Wait, she's in The Shape of Water. You saw that, right? Oh, okay. Well, I guess I just forgot she was in there. Oh, that's right. She was the fucking lizard man. That's right. Right, of course. She's also in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, if you saw that. I she's didn't. The, no. She's the Nazi. No, no. Um, I had that poster Russian on my wall. But she's Russian. It. Well, whatever. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> I don't know what I mean by that, actually, but whatever. Keep going. Um, Tony Collette. Hereditary. Sorry, Mitch. I didn't That's all right. that. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Hereditary, but I'll say The Hours instead. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. Great soundtrack by no. Philip Glass. My no. answer is also Hereditary. <laughs> No, I would want to, though. She is one of my favorite actresses. If she shows up in something, I'm just, like, down. She picks cool shit, and she is also so, so uh, malleable. Um, so I've seen her a lot of good stuff. Yeah, and then we've we've got Willem Dafoe. The Lighthouse. Spider-Man. My answer was either going to be The Lighthouse or Spider-Man, so I'll try to pick a third one just to Plus try two? to mix it up a little bit here. Uh, the Last Temptation of Christ. Fair enough. True, yeah. Um, Another great one is the Florida Project. He's yeah, awesome. Yeah, true. One. Uh Richard Jenkins. Uh uh I was going to say The Shape of Water, but now that I think of it, he's he's kind of unforgettable in the in Dahmer, which is I guess a TV series, but he plays That counts. Dahmer's dad. Nice. Daddy Dahmer. Yeah. yeah. I might yeah. have to scoop you here, Corey, but I got to say Step Brothers. Oh, I'm saying Step Brothers too, but as an addendum to that, I'll say even though I don't like the movie The Cabin in the Woods, but my answer was Step Brothers. That's another that's another good role of his. Dude, at some point we got to do a bonus episode on Cabin in the Woods and revisit Why? that one and I want to hear you talk about it. I don't want to revisit it. <laughs> Unless I I don't want to revisit it cuz what if I like it? I well, Probably I think you really. might. I think I've you ma- might. I've made is... my personality not like it. That's right. That's um, right. Rooney Mara. Uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Nightmare on Elm Street 2010. Uh, Carol, again, it's the same movie as Kate Blanchett. Nice. Um, Reunion. Ron Perlman. Oh, God. Um, A lot of options for, for Ronnie P, dude. Hellboy. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> also, <sighs> Fallout. War never changes. Oh, this uh, I would think of Hellboy first as well. The second one I could think of is a movie called Thirteen Sins. He shows up in there. Uh, I'm gonna go off the board for this one. Um, he's in the new movie adaptation of Monster Hunter with Mila uh, Jovovich. Yeah, um, he's in that. What's Monster Hunter? It's like uh, I don't know. I don't know. Do we? Uh, so the movie is so little like the game, it almost doesn't even matter. Oh, okay. It's based on a game, <laughs> though. Yeah. But cool. he also he does the War Never Changes speech in Fallout. I mean, incredible. I Corey and I were joking about that. Uh, M- Mitch, you got muted? Yeah. We-, we were joking about it where? At work. Yeah, we were. I hit the space uh, bar by accident. Uh, so we got Mary Steenburgen. Less familiar, honestly. Uh, I'll give my answer. Step Brothers again. <laughs> It's a great poll. I would go Elf. <laughs> I, I was like, this movie is simultaneously a Carol and Step Brothers reunion, which is fucking incredible. Yeah, did they get a scene together? I don't think they did. No, they didn't. That's a damn shame. Damn shame. I don't think either of those pairings got scenes together. Man, I wonder if which that was intentional. Bullshit. Dude, maybe they all hate each other. Uh, we're getting into the chunk of the cast where this game is probably going to become significantly more difficult. <laughs> okay. We can stop uh, at any point. Dude, yeah. dude, I like the next guy. Yeah, David uh, Straithorn. LA Confidential. Incredible. Wait, he's Sam, so you know good this in guy that. At all? Yeah, he no, plays I, a real creepy. I don't know movie. this guy. 
Also, uh, good night and good luck. Oh, yeah. He plays Edward Murrow. Who we're all very familiar with. Well, you should be because we learned about him in our broadcasting class. Just endlessly. Um, I'll say for him... I don't know. Uh, he's in Nomadland, right? I think. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. What I think he's in there. Whatever. Um, Holt McCallney? I don't know who that is. I'm going to level with you. Uh, I'll look at his picture. Yeah, I don't know him. He. I kept thinking he looked like Michael Shannon. I not. at first I did think Michael Shannon was in this movie and I got pretty excited. That would have been awesome. Yeah, it would, would have made sense too. Because to be fair, Holt, Holt McCallney's fine. He's great. He's fine. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk shit. But I'm a big Michael Shannon head. So yeah, you know, Michael Shannon's could've, awesome. Could have done it. Um, and then <clears throat> we've got Peter McNeil, Mark Pavanelli, Jim Beaver. Uh, a, a special shout out to my guy Tim Blake Nelson who's the only other person who I could say a movie for um, out of all of the things that we've done up uh, since we got through the first, like, few. Does anybody else have any Tim Blake Nelson? I mean, he is Buster Scruggs. He is Buster Scruggs. That's true. Um, Liam, have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. No. It's worth watching just for the Tom Waits sequence where he plays a gold prospector looking for, like, a piece of or uh, i guess a, a pocket of gold and he keeps referring to it affectionately as mr pocket that whole sequence is brilliant when i'm feeling down i watch that sequence nice dude oh, i'll have that's to check definitely. it out i i looked up tim blake nelson's picture because i didn't know him from from name and that's that's dr pendansky from holes it's also oh, I, love, I love one him. of the key trio for oh brother where art thou true yeah he's a coen brothers regular yeah He's also apparently in Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, and I don't remember that at all. I wonder if the Coen brothers like holes. I feel like they would. Probably. Pro- probably. They seem like holes, guys. I feel like that, like, if they were to be interviewed and asked what movie do they wish they had made, I feel like it might be holes. What if their answer was sex webums? Jesus. It's their one unproduced <laughs> script that they... They're just waiting on. Uh, also, apparently Tim Blake Nelson was in Syriana. I don't I f- remember that either. I completely forgot about that movie until you mentioned it. How could you forget? Another film class original. Fuck. But writing about that movie is impossible. Oh my god. I don't, <laughs> it's I don't not know. even because it's bad. It's just like, what are you supposed to do with it? It's, it's like, just yeah. such like a gargantuan narrative that just thrusts from all corners of the globe. I haven't heard of this movie. This must have been a different film class, eh? Yeah, yeah was... it was one of the Tommy Buzz ones. It's got, and the cast is, it's like got like, it's got Clooney and Matt Damon and like Jeffrey Wright's in it, William Hurt's in it, Chris Cooper's in it. It's one of those big, uh, Alexander Siddig from Game of Thrones is in it. It's is a Stephen Bullock Goggin. It? No, it's Amanda Peet. Okay. It's a Stephen Goggin movie. Who huh. also, what else did he do? I'm trying to remember. Um, Oh my God. He did the Doolittle movie from 2020. What a fall from grace. Holy no way! Are you kidding me? Rough. So Syriana is good. That's um, all right. I, it's don't also run. just a very different kind of movie. Maybe it's like Doolittle a political, is good too. It's like a political thriller set in uh, everywhere. Well, everywhere, but also like it, it's it's just a very like 
not at all similar to Doolittle kind of movie. Personally, I think you'd find it intolerable. I don't think you would like it very much. Yeah, I, I've no, I've no interest in watching it. Do not worry. Yeah, great. Um, Mitch, do you wanna do you wanna do some plot stuff for me? Yeah, I can do the plot. So, where to begin? The start. Uh, well, that's that's normally how it works. I, I'm not gonna start at the ending. What do I look like? Some kind of fucking animal? Do I look like a hack? Don't answer that. So it's this is a story that starts about it's about a grifter who's kind of working his way up from from small beginnings. Uh, Bradley Cooper plays Stanton Carlisle. He's our central character, and the film opens with him burning the family farm with his. Uh, father's dead body inside of it and he leaves and catches a train and it's set in this sort of uh, what looks to be like like Rust Belt Middle America in the late 1930s sort of just coming out of the Great Depression or maybe in the Great Depression the story takes place over several years and he joins this this carnival where he meets this this uh, group these all these uh, grifters and carnies and Willem Dafoe is sort of heading the group as Clem and he also meets Tony Collette, who plays Xena, and she's a she's a seer. And they they work together to kind of work on this this confidence scheme where uh, they're I guess a mentalist scheme, which is where you pretend to psych it or to tap into this uh, into the ether, as they say. And it's really just this elaborate uh, con game of uh, of like false mirrors and trap doors where they 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 write down the answers and they kind of make it look as if it's their um, you know these omniscient uh, magic people that are, that can that can read minds, but that's not and talk to the dead, but that's not true. And as the film progresses, uh, Stanton kind of meets Pete, who is uh, Zena's partner, and Pete is an old pro, and he's kind of fallen down on hard times. He's fallen into drink, and he perfected this master con, but he says he is urging Stanton to kind of not do it uh, because it's what's known as a spook show where you talk to the dead and you play with people's feelings and emotions. And that's when things get dangerous. So the first half of the film is set in this carnival sequence. And the second half of the film is when uh, Stanton goes to the city and starts plying uh, Pete's con there, um, but not before he poisons him with uh, wood alcohol. And kills him. So when he's in the city, he um, he starts plying his trade in some of the nicest, nicest nightclubs in town. And he falls in with this uh, psychologist, Dr. Lilith Ritter, who's played by Kate Blanchett. And she's intrigued by his practice because how it intersects with psychology and reading people and the deeper innermost feelings of people. And she kind of sees through his grift and he, in a way, sort of sees through hers. I mean, you have to keep in mind that this was written in the 40s when uh, psychology was kind of still um, up and running, right? A lot of people saw it as a grifter. They were skeptical of it and the science of the mind. And and anyway, so Bradley Cooper's character, Stanton, keeps kind of doing these these grifts and they become increasingly more dangerous and more personal. And he gets in with this guy named Ezra Grindle, who is this very wealthy and guilty man who, um, in 1902 or 1901, uh, killed his wife. Or she, he ordered, I guess, an abortion 
and uh, his wife died in, in the process and he's wrought with guilt and he wants to talk to his wife and Stanton convinced him he's the man to do that. And uh, hijinks ensue and it's in classic noir fashion, the whole thing kind of falls apart around Stanton and it's this magnificent uh, rise and fall of a grifter. I miss the few minor plot points, um, but I think that in broad strokes, that's what it is. Yeah, broad strokes is good, I think. Broad strokes is best. Um, Triples is best. Has anybody else watched I Think You Should Leave? I have. You you know, you know. I know. Triples is best. (laughs) The fucking sketch is so fucking stupid. I love that show. Oh my god. Um... All right, well, uh, Mitch, I'm going to need you to talk a little bit longer because uh, it's dawned on me that it was your pick, and so I need to ask you uh, what you thought of the movie because it was, you know, it was effectively your pick. So Yeah, I really liked this movie. I was almost surprised with how much I liked it. I, I, know, I, I don't know why I would be surprised because I like Guillermo del Toro. And I like the actors in it, and I really like the source material. But I was—I always get nervous when an old classic like this and a film that I really like is being adapted, because in my view, the 1947 version is um, perfect in its own way. I think it has the disadvantage of being made in 1947 during the height of the Hayes Code, so it can't quite go to those dark corners that Guillermo del Toro goes to. Um I mean, the the modern film really uses the grammar of nightmares to kind of tell the the story. It's it's full of these grotesque images of of um, the circus, and and it evokes all these other films that I'm really interested in, like like Freaks from uh, I think it's 1934. It's from the early 30s, maybe yeah, 30, 32. Um, it's by Todd Browning though, and it's it, it sort of follows um, a traveling carnival as well with with all these people who are living with physical deformities and they're they're outsiders, and uh, so the the film is very similar to that in a lot of ways, or at least the the first chapter is, and uh, also it has to do with grifts and and dishonesty and and doing anything to get to the top, even if it means killing someone. Um, so I, I really like this movie. I love the way it looks. I love the way it's it's performed. Um, I, I think like you have some really fine performances that are turned in from all over the place. I love the violence in Guillermo del Toro's movies, and it's done very sparingly. But there are some really memorable sequences and some like just gnarly uh, deaths in the movie. I love this, the central relationship between um, Kate Blanchett and bradley cooper i think that their relationship in the original film is one of the most interesting things and and sort of how it navigates those themes of of psychology and and grifts and uh dealing with with people's innermost insecurities and um vulnerabilities and so it's it's interesting to kind of see how that intersects, and also I think like the ethics of the relationship with how she's sharing things and and how they're both actively trying to kind of benefit from each other, but also kind of take advantage of each other. I think it's a, a really interesting relationship, and this is a really good neo noir. The original film is just a straight noir, but but um, you know this is this has more things going on. They do make a few addendums to kind of. Uh, uh, depth depth in the character like we like tyrone powers character I, I doesn't kill his dad in the original film maybe he does in the book 
Um, but there are quite a few different sequences. Um, the whole uh, interplay with the character that's the geek, who I didn't talk about in my in my uh, plot synopsis, but the geek is essentially just um, a person who has been thoroughly degraded and and perfor- forced to perform just deg- degrading acts like like eating a live chicken in front of people and saying that you know this guy isn't a human being and and that whole sort of interplay in the in the early scenes with how they navigate that character or when he escapes and they're looking for him in the funhouse it's just so creepy and so del toro um that i really like it that even though this film doesn't necessarily have the same fanciful elements as his other movies it still uses that sort of fanciful language of of nightmares to kind of convey it and i love the way that the film feels uh different in setting like the first half in the in the in the carnival and the second half in the city feel completely different and all for the better i think it's really interesting and you get a cool sense of progression to see his character rise to the top and i I love stories that are just a dramatic rise and fall of somebody because of you know their fatal flaws it's textbook english lit but it it works it always gets me every time and this is really a dramatic sweep uh in that sense there's there's so many things going on i really don't have any gripes with the movie um it's it's i was blown away by it i'm disappointed i didn't see it earlier but I'm I'm really glad that we can talk about this because I think there is a lot going on to to parse out. Uh, Liam, are you are you gonna meet your, a crust bro there or not quite or what what are we what are we working with here? Yeah, I'll 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 probably meet him the same way uh, I met him last week for Avatar, um, which <laughs> is to say we we differ a little bit, but I think. Oh, I- uh, Avatar, you you loathed Avatar. And I hated it. You hated it, and I, I, uh, I hated the things you hated, but the but the visuals did enough for me for me to like it. And in this case, um, I come away from this movie positive, but uh, I I think I actually I disliked a lot of my time with it. And it's it's only um, the more I think about the movie, the the more the more I'm liking it. Um, but my actual time spent watching it maybe about half of it I, I wasn't I wasn't all the way on board and funny enough it wasn't even it wasn't even the first half I liked the first half a whole lot it was actually more of this middle portion where I think the movie gets a bit a bit plodding um, but the story I think is is a pretty remarkable really cool story and I and I, I think it it warrants uh, telling and it, it certainly warrants retelling Um I think it's it's just a great sort of uh, revenge justice tale. It sort of reminded me of like a like a Tales from the Crypt episode or something, mm-hmm. especially with the way it ends. I mean, I think the the final scene, the whole climax, I think is incredible. Um, and and that climaxing in in that final scene, I I just I I'm such a sucker for movies that end with a distinct final shot where you can think back in the movie you remember exactly what the last shot is it, it ends with like a, a a solid punctuation mark um and this movie has that um it ends with an ellipses i think almost <laughs> oh that's true it isn't it's it, it's like an ellipses an ellipses and then an exclamation point or an if, exclamation if, point and then the ellipses if this movie's ending with an ellipses and exclamation point i think that that means pearl ended with like a paragraph of m dashes or something oh great <laughs> point dude yeah pearl 
Oh my gosh. Uh, just same, same thing. Uh, incredible last shot in Pearl. Um, and I guess uh, I just didn't, um, I, I really felt like the length was a detriment to this movie. And I hate saying that. It just sounds like such a, it sounds like a complaint that someone would make you know, without actually seeing the movie and without, without being, without being patient and, and giving the movie time. And, uh, um, but I, I can't help that that's the way I felt with this one. I, I, I just really felt like uh, some of the sections were just like, I didn't think I was getting much out of them. It, it felt like it was showing me stuff that I had already seen, um, uh, like with the, the relationship with Stan and the therapist. And then in some occasions, I actually felt like it was skipping over stuff that I would have liked to have seen. Like I thought, I thought the relationship between Stan and, and uh, Rooney Mara's character, Molly, I thought that was more undercooked than I would have liked. I wish she had more to do or, or um, I, I felt like I didn't actually um, understand their relationship all that much. I think the two year jump maybe uh, is, is the reason for that. And um, and that's a very conscious choice, this two-year jump in the movie. And so so I guess I just didn't catch up to the movie af- after it did that. Um, so I, I really thought that if this movie had had been shorter and tighter, I think it would have packed a, a bigger punch for me. And, and there were also occasions where I, I had a tough time seeing past the actors. I mean, maybe that's a risk you, you have when you have such a recognizable cast. Um, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're, you're assembling a group of, of great actors, but also you're assembling a group that, that people have seen in a lot of other movies with, um, and you know, that's one thing when it's just your leading actor, but when it's all your side characters right down to, uh, the people at like the bottom of the cast list, these are people you've seen in movies before. These are character actors. And, um, I, I often had a tough time seeing past the actors, even though I think they were they were doing good work. Um, I, I I felt like they were, I felt like I could see them like vamping and playing a character, particularly Kate Blanchett's character, um, who is actually who I recognize the least. Funny enough, but but she, she once uh, her turn happens at the end of the movie, she's really playing up this sort of. Uh, um, like villainess, uh, neo noir type type character, and I I thought that it it felt really out of place. Um, she was all of a sudden like very dramatic and and saying things that were like kind of uh kind of like one liners, and I just found it really strange. And so, um. While I was watching the movie, uh, for a, for a, for a good chunk of it, I was I was a bit uh, confused and 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 a bit wanting. But there was also plenty that I liked while I was watching it. I mean, I love the whole carnival setting that that I, the freak show idea. I love, and I also love um, the the language interplay and like talking about how they trick the marks and um i think this movie has a lot of really cool uh setups and payoffs that reward patience um so so i'm not totally down on it and and i would love to watch it again and see how i feel but but then that length is is pretty daunting especially because the i think the length is is what got to me most and so i don't know when a rewatch like that would happen 
But at the same time, maybe it's not all that necessary because as I think about the movie and the story it told, um, the length is fading from my mind and I'm just thinking of the story that was told and and I'm liking it. So uh, I, I came away liking this movie. Yeah. One thing I do want to mention is that we we've actually seen carnivals like a lot on this show, huh? Have we? It's a good place to set movies. Yeah, we saw uh, this has a carnival. Are you afraid of the dark? Had a carnival. One of, which two thousand horror remake had a carnival was uh, House of Wax is carnival. House, House of Wax has a carnival. Sure, sure. Yeah, no carnivals are great. I think like again, there's uh, even like the American Horror Story like carnival season, like, the Freak Show. That's a that's a good season, I think. Um, also, you know how earlier we were doing some science, some some real crunching of numbers and stuff. Mm. I've got another conclusion I think we can draw. Uh Nightmare Alley is the is the inverse of Avatar 2. And and what I probably why I like it. What I mean by that mm. is uh Mitch liked Avatar the least and I like this the least and Liam is kind of in the middle. Really? Uh Dang, we flipped. Yeah. And I'm still a fucking fence sitter. I gotta have a strong opinion next to yeah, centrist. I uh there's stuff that I like in this movie. Ironically, I think uh Kate Blanchett's performance, just to lay this point, is like one of the best in the movie. <laughs> um I'm gonna kick your ass, Corey. Uh this movie's boring. And it's really? long. Like you really feel and I agree, like feeling like length is a bit of a cop out, but like Dude, this felt this felt longer than The Irishman. That movie's like four hours. <laughs> like, and your um, it sounds like it felt longer than Avatar, which is which is longer as well. Yeah, it felt longer than Avatar. A little I th- bit. Yeah. I thought it felt longer than Avatar. Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. You like you might like the original better. It's it's a buck fifty. Um, and uh. The story is compelling, but I don't think there's a lot here here to go with it on. I think my initial reaction was a lot more negative. I, I've maybe grown on it like very slightly, but like I don't know, the movie feels a little bit lifeless often. Um not the entire time and not through every performance. I, I do want to say, I think there are like three performances in particular, maybe four that are like unreal. Um, Let's say three. Cause I think Cable Blanchett is great. I think Bradley Cooper is okay, but he's too old for the character. Cause they keep talking to him. Like he's like 20 years old and he's like 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, So that was a little strange, but I think Cable Blanchett is great. I think, Bradley Cooper's pretty good, and I think Tony Collette is great. Um, oh, I think Richard Jenkins is really excellent too. Yeah, the performances are there. It's just like it David just didn't Strathen. click. It just didn't click. I don't know. Um, it the the production design doesn't work for me very much. Um, really, I mean, it just feels. Blah. like it's 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 like a classic art deco and carnivals i think it's i think I, it's got a beautiful i know design. i know what it is it's just like it i don't know just something didn't work um 
it just feels very like it's doing the thing it's doing. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, um, it feels like just very, we're doing the art deco and we're doing the carnival thing and we're doing the whatever. Um, so what in doing that, like what could it have done differently? That, I don't, that you I don't know. I don't have I, a good answer for that. I think the the production design is is definitely it's not just doing it for the sake of doing it. I think it's definitely like in, in service of the narrative. Like those skyscrapers get tall and the shadows get darker in the city, and it looks and feels so cold. And those those straight sharp angles of, of Art Deco, um, along with kind of like you know the more sophisticated and refined curves exude like wealth and power. And and the closer he gets to it, the to wealth and power. The designs get more ornate, and I, yeah, I think I'm that not the, saying I don't. Costuming is brilliant. I'm not saying I don't get it. <laughs> like I get it. I just didn't care. Fair. I guess. Like I don't know. Just something about this, like the the viewing experience. Like I had to watch it in two sittings. Oh, I see. Like n- no, I not had to out of need. Like I had to because like I stopped watching it. And was like, I'm going to finish this later because I don't care. Like, I made the choice to do it in two sittings because I was bored. Um, I don't know. Damn. Like, the, 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 I do think, like, in a general sense, like, the, the craft or, like, the quality of some of those things that we've talked about is, like, evident. Like, nobody's, like, well, I think one performance in particular is horrible, but... Um, Who? name names. Uh, Rooney Mara's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like. I didn't. I didn't like her either. And I um, also thought her casting was like, too old. We have seen like two of the worst performances that we've ever seen. Were both Rooney Mara, and I feel terrible because I think in other things she's great. But I like think this, she's serviceable here. And Nightmare on Elm Street are both just like dog awful. <laughs> like just. I, I don't think it's awful. She, I think she that feels that's unfair. Really miscast. Really? Yeah. I don't think so. I think I think she's I think she does a pretty good job here. I think it's like a it's a, a fine performance. Like I, I don't think it's like outstanding. Um I think that she might not have that much to do in the script. But I think yeah. it's a pretty serviceable and, and a sympathetic performance too, I think. Especially later when their show and their griff gets more elaborate and she's really not into it. Yeah, I, yeah, that just felt like it didn't do anything for me. I don't know. Mm. I don't want to bring this down because I, I feel bad that you're like this excited about it and I don't want my whole thing to just be now that we do a back and forth where you say you like a part of it and I say that I don't because that's not interesting. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, not for me, I guess. Well, to just speak to some of the points you guys just brought up, I mean, visually, I think I, I think this movie is 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 much more subtle than I was expecting it to be. I mean, when I think of a movie like Pan's Labyrinth or even The Shape of Water, I, I remember such such striking uh, images and landscapes. And I think in Pan's Labyrinth, you know, that comes from not being uh, grounded in the real world the entire time. And then also when you are in the real world, I mean, uh, in the war, it gives you so much darkness and grit to work in and then shape of water you've got a creature there and you've got this laboratory so it's uh it's very specific things um whereas this movie it it has the carnival for for the first bit and so you can really uh 
wring a lot of cool stuff out of that. Um, but it's still it, it's it's distinctly not a supernatural story, and so um, I think that that means the production design ends up being a lot more subtle. And so I didn't I didn't actually realize how much I was loving it until. Uh, I did some reflection while the while the movie was on, um, and I'm totally with Mitch there. That I I I think the the way that the look of the movie changes as it goes on in order to uh, reflect the the different um, phases of Stan's life, the different places he's in. Um, I think it's awesome. And by the time the climax hits and people start dying. Um, it's outside, and there are so many so many shadows and dark blues and. Uh, I, I just thought I thought that was wicked. And so um, I think it it sort of goes both ways where when it's that subtle, I think it can it can um, I can see how it can totally lead to someone getting bored. And, and I, I got bored on occasion, mm-hmm. um, but I think it, it does end up paying off. And I think that if if you are already fully immersed in the story like Mitch was then it's just going to work for you the whole way cuz it's it it feels very deliberate even though it's not as in your face as some of the other movies of his that I've seen yeah i mean i do agree that it 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 was long like there was times there was a time about halfway through the movie when i was like how much is left I checked and i was like holy and you're shit like, and you're like 70 minutes and you're There's like what still the fuck? an hour um <laughs> Which I'm not opposed to because I like the story and that's that's why I picked it and I, and so that's that was okay with me I was fine with more movie and I, I like Guillermo del Toro's design and I like I like the characters I think he I like did. how Guillermo del Toro looks I like his design <laughs> yeah anyway I, I like um I think I, like Pete is a really interesting character David Strathairn who I who I've always liked um some of his monologues and. And the way that he kind of sets up those themes about, you know, never going full, fully into into spook show territory, and uh, I just think that there's like a kind of a a carny uh, poeticism to it all that that is really uh, great, and it it loads the rest of the narrative with this this uh, interesting portents, and then I think it's I'm really interested in this sort of period in time, um, a with like like carnival acts and, and and grifters and grifters in the field of 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 psychology and this is around the time that like esp people started talking about about stuff like that uh extrasensory perception and all of these other things um the sort of woo-woo crap that was on the on the back burner of like of the cold <laughs> war um so it, it's it's really interesting to to kind of this period to me and and how it also collides with a lot of early psychology which was a bunch of crock i mean you think of like of freud and all this stuff and there is a freudian sort of subtext through throughout the film i think especially is with it the main known character. that freud was a crock is that a is that a statement we could back up i think freud was a crock i think he broke some serious ground in doing what he was doing but he also made broad sweeping generalizations about a lot of things like he he interviewed 20 affluent women in vienna or something like that and then made conclusions about all women um, ah. I think his methods were, were kind of poor. I think the conclusions that he drew were poor. Um, guy was hopped up on cocaine all the time. I think, I think Freud was a bit of a crock, but definitely influential. I mean, so was Stephen King and he made maximum overdrive. Sure. Fair enough. Point taken. But I, I think it's, I think it's kind of interesting when you see like the wild west of psychology and then like the, these 
you know, these, the, these carnies and, and how they both sort of play with people's insecurities and um, the intersection of that is, is, is really great. So for me, I'm with it a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I love the final confrontation scene too. Like when the, the grift goes awry, I felt like my knee was just like jerking in that scene when, when oh, Ezra really? Grindle. Uh, yeah, I, fu- I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I thought that that was electric. It, it remind, reminded me of Uncut Gems. Um, yeah. That movie is very understated all the way through and you're just following this dude mm-hmm. as, as he's confident. He gets cocky and things are going well for him. Things are going bad. He's trying to figure it out. And then it gets to this point where you know it's too far gone and things start happening, but still in a, in a fairly grounded way. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I, I loved that. And I, I loved how the movie also didn't overstate those moments. Like a thing would happen, like someone would, would, would literally die, but there wouldn't be all that much. Uh, um, it wouldn't be extravagant, you know? Yeah. I loved it. In every great noir, there's that moment when it all falls apart, when the grift comes crashing down. And, you know, the, 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 in the killing the suitcase of money goes flying everywhere all over the tarmac or, or in all these great noirs when it, when it just falls apart and you're left stunned just watching the, the wreckage of, of all the characters uh, misgivings and the, and the vanity of the, of their planning. And I think in this film, it's, it's so well done in, in that sequence. Once the grift starts getting away from them and they are all doomed in, in film noir fashion, it, it's, it's just so good. And then the final payoff, but, in that that sequence when the grift is falling apart and and Bradley Cooper's character uh you know bludgeons Ezra, Ezra Grindle and then he then he, he runs over his bodyguard i mean and that particular effect is so oh, fucked up it's so good yeah. dude the gore that ends up coming in this movie is so good yeah and then also it's it's a cautionary tale too cuz I, I was talking about how i i like the you know it, it deals with playing with people's insecurities and emotions and there's those clients that he goes to before whose whose son has been killed in no man's land in the first world war and the mother didn't want him to go the father wanted him to enlist and stanton carlisle reassures them that they'll be reunited with their son and i guess the mother decides to reunite them a bit sooner than expected and she abruptly shoots him at the breakfast table uh again that scene is is, is kind of shocking and and um also electric and stunning it's 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 like an exclamation mark to use your analogy of, of punctuation it's it's and del toro does stuff like this all the time with just uh, abrupt uh eruptions of violence and um i think that scene works really well and then you're like oh fuck it's all going downhill from here it's all falling apart and that's great yeah i thought i thought that was a, a great scene too and then turning the gun on herself i mean yeah. The way that that shot and the way, I mean, literally, um, is just like so, I thought it was so, so plain and, mm-hmm. and kind of brilliant in its plainness. Though I did, I, 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 again, this was an instance of like having a recognizable actor in the role um, with, with uh, Mary Steenburgen. I know, I know you said, Mitch, that you didn't, you don't know her as well, but mm-hmm. to me, like she is, she is Elf, she is Stepbrothers, um, and so to have her in in that fairly small role and have it be fairly small, not not in terms of 
its meaningfulness, but in terms of screen time and to just have her sitting at the chair. Like I, I felt like that. Like I couldn't stop feeling that it felt like it was like a, uh, like a, like a COVID shoot day or like they could only have her for like a it, it few hours was because and this movie it, started shooting in January of 2020 and then they had to stop. Yeah, but I I also read that they had to shoot the second half first, and so I don't know if you know she's more in the second half, so I'm not sure where right. it falls. But I did find it just curious that she was just always sitting in this chair, and it was like we never really saw her from even a different camera angle. Um, and so I, I I thought that was kind of odd, but I think that the 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 work that her character does and what she means to the story ended up being awesome. Yeah. Another thing that I like is is the subtlety in, in the visual storytelling and how it deals with those those primal sins. In the poster of the movie, you see some of the deadly Devin said uh, the seven deadly sins. Greed. Deadly Devin sins is a yeah. very fun thing. To say. <laughs> Greed, lust, wrath, pride are all on the poster, and I think those are all, um, you know, they all kind of ring through the film. And and when they go into the into the um, the house to kind of or the, the, the fun house to track down the geek at the start of the film. He's standing in the mirror and it says, you are a sinner. And he kind of navigates this room that's full of religious guilt. Um, and it, it, it is, it is fascinating to kind of see those sort of more um, like subtle things of storytelling and, and, and all those ideas of, of guilt and, and, and sinfulness kind of ring, ring through the, the rest of the movie. Right. And I think that sequence is really important. And I also like the callbacks to like the the pickled uh, baby with the third eye, Enoch, who seems to be uh, all seeing, right? Because uh, it got you know the third eye. What what Bradley Cooper's character kind of claims to have as a, as a psychic medium, um, but you know, and the baby's always there, and then they bring him back in the end, and it's 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 great. So I think that the film has a lot of subtle elements of storytelling that are used really really well. Yeah, yeah, it is a very subtle movie, um, and so I think that that's that is either like a you you've got to be in it because that's either a detriment to its length. It's tough to make such a long movie that's subtle. I mean, Ab- with Avatar too, um, you know, if you if you're not down for the spectacle, of course, a long movie is going to feel long. But I think the spectacle of that movie is also going to go a long way to making the the average viewer mm-hmm. um at least enjoy uh a, a decent chunk of it whereas this with this it's a bit more risky i mean that being said i do i i prefer this movie to avatar 2 if i if i'm crunching numbers um so uh oh, you know what can you do weird comparison but i i see what you mean in the sense that the, this film a lot of your enjoyment of it is is sort of earned whereas um Avatar is kind of given to you in a, in, a, in a platter, right? You have to you have to dig a bit a bit more with this one, and, and I think engage with it a bit more. Um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But, a- Avatar two and the people that that love it. That's that's for the dumb dumb poo poo heads. I didn't say but, that. But like, but wait, <laughs> but wait though. Like, right when he gets to the carnival, he enters a room that is literally labeled with like the seven deadly sins and like a mirror that calls him a sinner directly. Is it was, that deep? I was saying that it was. I was saying that it's more sort of, I guess, subtle. I, th- I, th- I think that's with pretty how overt, th- isn't it? it? I suppose it's overt, but I think it, it's in how they kind of recur. I think through the through the film, it might be like a. It's a bit of a tee up, sure, but I, I think um, if you think about how they kind of are, are all like brought back 
um, throughout the film, it at least is kind of more interesting. And I think there's there's other things going on, like like a Freudian subtext and 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 so much more that I think uh, rounds out the narrative to being um, more. Full. But I think the comparison between Avatar and Nightmare Alley is kind of stupid because they're 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 so different, right? I think. Yeah, like we're not making an actual direct comparison. We just happened to have just watched the other one. Yeah, we just watched the other one last week. I no, I think that the this like that particular sequence where they're all on the wall might not be, maybe not the most subtle thing, but I think it has it has more, um, like thematically and narratively going on and and with how it confronts morality i think is really interesting because no one in this film is really moral there's no there's no moral center necessarily there's there's everybody just in varying shades of gray and so how they engage with the, those sinful acts and what is sinful and what is legal i think you know it's 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 interesting yeah, I mean, I will say that, like, some of the back and forth that we get from Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett that's, like, grappling with some of that, like, they're really good, mm-hmm. you know? Like, look, I'm not gonna... I know good when I see it still, and some of it's just undeniable, you know? Also, Liam, I just saw you turn yellow there for a sec, but it says that you're back, so I think You can okay. hear me? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Um. I think, like, it, it definitely... It gets like a bit heady in the in the latter half, I think, um, for sure. With with some of those ideas with with Kate Blanchett's character, and I just love movies about about grifts and and confidence schemes, and and uh, I guess the art of observation. And I think that this film is really enthusiastically engaging with all those things. It, it's really interesting to see Bradley Cooper's character artfully. Uh, navigate a room and kind of read things about people. And I love the idea of becoming a shut eye too, as like your narrative rise and fall where, you know, you're a magician or you're a a mentalist and you come to believe your own crap. That to me is really compelling. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I, I totally love that aspect. And like, even just reading, I think if you read the plot of this movie on Wikipedia, I mean, read at your own risk, of course, if you don't, if you haven't seen the movie, you're going to spoil it. But like, if you just read it, which I did after I watched the movie, um, it's, it's just such a wicked story. And it's the type of story where I, I would, I, I read that and I feel like I've, I've been fulfilled. And then I feel like I, I would want to explore it more. Like I, I read it and I'm like, man, I, I would read the novel of that. That's such a, that's such a good tale. Um, and so I guess that's what I mean when I say that the movie, uh, you know, despite me uh, being interested in, in what it's doing and having appreciation for it, um, I, th- I, th- I felt like the length dragged on. And I think that mm-hmm. I would um, maybe I, I don't know if I would like the uh, the original more because there are so many it's other shorter. things that factor besides length. But but yeah, I would be I would certainly be interested in trying because uh I, I do think this is such a such a, a cool punchy story um and uh it i'm kind of disappointed that i can't all the way love it because i do like so much about it yeah the original has decidedly less baggage and that's partially because of the production code the haze code but also um i think it's, it's just a, i think a bit tighter it, it doesn't um move around in some scenes or it doesn't it doesn't have a lot of like the the backstory for uh for um bradley cooper's character none of that 
Um, so, and I think Tyrone Power's character is much more likable in in the in the first half, whereas Bradley Cooper, because we see we start with him, you know, murdering his his father, his sick and dying father. Uh, we don't necessarily know that right off the bat. That's what he's done, but we have a pretty good idea. Uh, it, it makes him very dislikable right from the outset. And uh, Tyrone pa- Tyrone Power's character in the original film is is um, this fresh faced guy who's slightly morally gray, who's really got away with talking to people and earning the trust of people, and he is led astray by his own ambition. And, and uh, so it has a bit more of a tragic streak to it. Whereas this one doesn't, so I think it's it's more uh, more engaging in that regard. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what was going on with that one, just as like a comparison point, if nothing else. I, if we could find an excuse to watch it on the pod, I would love to. <laughs> or we, or if we, if we don't find it, we could just watch. We could just be friends. We could just be friends. We don't need to talk about it. We could just be friends. Well, we can talk about it, but it doesn't have to be in the microphones. We don't need to ruin our brand. You gotta pay us for that one. Yeah, sorry everyone. That's a behind the scenes, behind the scenes exclusive. That's a that's a you have to be our friend exclusive. Yeah, tough, and you know it's pretty. Yeah, it's a pretty a tight knit club. Yeah, we're throwing away resumes all the time. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's why there's yeah. only three of us on this podcast. Yeah, because everybody else, somebody uh, did once just type sex gifts into the resume box, and we d- uh, we did laugh, but that's well, not. He was a top candidate, but yeah. That's right. It was Mitch, actually. Let's let's stop beating <laughs> around the bush. That's yeah, how Mitch. That's how Mitch got into the club. Yeah, yeah that's how I got on the pod. Hit us with some sex gifts, not literally, but sort of in like the abstract mm-hmm. sense, the Dean Norris kind of sense. That is all I have to say about Nightmare Alley. I could say more, but but you know, I, I feel happy with what I've said. What about you guys? I'm good because I don't want to be that guy. You know, who does this benefit? Kibono. Who benefits? Who benefits? That's all I'm saying. And also, it's almost seven. So, what we can do instead is uh, we can prompt Liam to give us a pick. And I know that I'm right because the last pick was supposed to be Mitch and it was me. And then this was supposed to be me and it was Mitch. So, I know that I'm right. That's right. The switcheroo God, helped don't you out. fuck with me. <laughs> No, no, no. You're, you are right. <laughs> no, I know, but I was just like, please tell me I'm onto something for one. <laughs> he worked it out please on paper God. before. <laughs> yeah, dude. Or he's I, got a whiteboard behind I him. I was erasing like, it and rewriting it again just to make sure. I was like, it's the only way these numbers check it. So I was like, the numbers, Mason, what do they mean? He peeled away for a minute in the pod, and that's what he was doing. He had like the, the marker Sweating cap on his mouth and was drawn on the board. I had my calculator watch out, just fact checking. Calendars. Google Trends was open just in case. Just in case sex gifts needed to be searched. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Liam, I assume you're not going to make us watch sex gifts. So what are you going to have us watch? No, if I could find a full length version that was also a remake, I would. Um, <laughs> maybe if I can find a sex webum that's a remake of a classic sex gift. But as of yet, I don't have any. Um, but I tell you what, I, I feel like I feel like it's been a while since I've had a pick, and that's not true, but that's how I feel, and so... It feels like a while. It's been the normal it, amount of time, but it does feel like a that's while. That's right. It is, of course, it's been the normal amount of time, but I guess maybe we saw Avatar, and then... What was my last pick? Matilda. That was a nice ad hoc. I don't but know But it's why not, it not like. a traditional Liam pick, Matilda. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's maybe why. Maybe Corey would pick that, but not you. That's well, and right. also, like... Uh, like 
part of it for me is like I saw Avatar like the Saturday before we recorded on a Wednesday, like it, so it felt further out. Right. So maybe that's part of it too, just like they feel further away. Yeah, it could be. It could be. And so I, I just I say that to say um, that I'm not entire. I, I feel overwhelmed by options. Like I have multiple things that I would want to pick. I feel like it kind of feels like. Um, after I haven't eaten for a while and like I, I buy some groceries and I'm just like man I just I'm hungry and I just want to eat it eat all of these things I don't know how to pick which thing to actually start eating and, and have as my thing because I'm hungry um, and I'm hungry to pick something right now and there are just so many things so I am just gonna throw something out there um, spaghetti at the wall baby dude there are so many we're gonna be doing this podcast forever there are a lot of things i want to do um some of the things require some homework on my part because like i I would want to watch the original or i would want to show my partner the original and so that's going to help me narrow it down a bit because i don't know if we have the time for that i'm gonna pick um sorority row from 2009 oh interesting okay Nice little slasher remake for so, us. So, so really quick, we'll get into this, but Sorority Row is one of those movies I remember like going to a, the movie theater and seeing the advertising. Oh, cool. Because we were like 12 when it came out or something. So like, mm-hmm. I, I remember that pretty, pretty strongly. It was that and that Black Christmas, uh, the, mid, the mid-aughts Black Christmas as well. Now, I really remember those. Is the original The House on Sorority Row? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. I might do some homework because I haven't seen that one. And I might, I might, I might do a double feature. Um, But if I had picked a different one, I would have wanted Brianna to watch the, the originals with me. And so that's going to be my move. I'll see if I can fit in the original. Um, But it it shouldn't be all that, all that necessary. If if we just watch the 2009 one, it it should be, it should just hit. uh, I've just, this movie came out on 9/11. Oh, but, but like in 2009, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't think they didn't go back in time to release Sorority Row on 9/11. Like this, the real one. Like. The last scene of this movie, the twist <laughs> is that. The, the, the sorority, sorority house. Row is on. It's it's in downtown New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly obviously um uh, you spoiled it for us cory god your release date sleuthing Holy they thought shit. that no one would notice That's until so, it was too late that is so funny uh but all i was gonna say is i feel like we've had a relatively good hit rate with the horror remakes of this era yeah, I mean that's sort of my bag, and this is one of the last ones. I mean, if if you're going prescriptively, uh, you know, you could say the odds ended after two thousand nine, and then even if you're if you're broadening it out, horror movies didn't quite feel the same uh, just a couple years after this. Um, so this this is going to be unique. This is going to fall right in line with other movies we've done, like My Bloody Valentine, House of Wax. Um, that that sort Friday of thing. the Thirteenth movie, Friday the Thirteenth for sure. Nightmare on Elm Street, twenty ten. So, so I'm 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 curious to see what we think. On a stranger calls, <laughs> I feel like I have to bring that movie That's up right. now. Like Black I Christmas, like, two thousand six, of course. Yeah, I feel like I'm contractually obligated. <laughs> yeah, um, 
And our, I, I think our hit rate does vary. Like some of them we've, we've really liked. Some of them we've been more mid on. And, and it's not always each of us feels the same way. Um, yeah. Sometimes one of, one of us likes it more than the other, whereas the time before it was vice versa. So I'm curious to see how we all, how we all come out on this one. Yeah, me too. I think that'll be a good, that's a good show. I think. Um, speaking of good shows, Mitch, you got anything for us do you, when you want to do plugs and stuff? What do you got? You're nothing but an Oki with straight teeth. I'm going to level with you. I don't know what that means. I guess Liam doesn't either. Kate Blanchett says it. But that doesn't mean I know what it means. An Oki? Yeah, what is that? It's like a hick. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know what that word meant. Because I'm a rube. I'm a what rube. does that mean? <laughs> Um, <laughs> citizen of the Rubicon. Yeah, absolutely. All right, goodbye. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything you want to plug? Um, yes, yes. I would like to plug um my film writing alter ego, Graham. The Haunted Marshmallow is the name, and uh, the name of the game is um occasionally rating movies. Uh mostly in large batches after after I forget to rate them. Uh, my handle is Graham the Mallo on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. You can listen to the other shows I do, which are MK PodQuest with our friend Neil about various Mortal Kombat things and various even more adjacent to that than that things. You'll have to find out by going to MortalCombatConquest.ca where you can find that show and the other show that I do, which is Strat 2 with our friend Callum. It's about Formula One. We're about to come back soon um for a little preseason stuff before that all kicks off and um those are all mortal combat conquest.ca and social media and whatnot thank you all once again for listening to this episode of they made another one you can find us all over the internet on twitter at they made another uh which is all on word and on letterbox that tmao the twitter page slowly going the way of the letterbox page i need to get back on that uh, you can find episodes on anchor spotify apple and google podcast stitcher breaker and everything else as they made another one you can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and a word for hick that I might not know. Our fantastic thumbnail art is... I see, Mitch, what do you got? And your favorite sex webum. And your favorite... Uh, well, actually, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we want that. Your favorite sex gif, if that's more... Speak for yourself, bro. I'm forwarding <laughs> you mine right now. Are you actually... I guess yeah. I'll have to check. Um, our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, we're going to go see what's going on on Sorority Row next week. Have they made another one?